Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all just having an amazing week so far, no matter where you are in the world. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. I'm so excited and so grateful for you to spend your time with us and for this week's episode with Mr. David Wood. So to give you a little bit of background, I met David at a entrepreneur event and we sat down, had a conversation about what he was up to in the world. And it was remarkably refreshing to see the angle with which David was helping coaches and individuals and entrepreneurs and high-performing executives. And I couldn't wait to have him on. So to give you a little bit of context around what David does, David helps individuals have the tough conversations that they don't want to have with their loved ones, with their team members, with their bosses, with the people that have hurt them and beyond. He's a highly sought after coach who works with entrepreneurs, executives and teams and prison inmates to help them create amazing results and deep connection by having those tough conversations that they don't wanna have. He's the author of Get Paid for Who You Are, where Jack Canfield wrote the foreword, and he was nominated for the Transformational Leadership Council alongside amazing leaders such as Don Miguel Ruiz, John Gray, and Marianne Williamson. He's also the number one life coach on Google, and to date has served over 150,000 coaches and has racked up hundreds of thousands of hours coaching across 12 countries. And I love this episode particularly because we all have had situations where we didn't speak out when we knew we really should, or we held back from asking someone out on a date or walked past a contact that could have opened doors or held our tongue because we didn't want to upset somebody. You know, no one likes having tough conversations. They're confronting and uncomfortable, and they put you at a risk of being rejected, judged, or worse, really just unloved and invalidated. But is it really worth avoiding all of that short-term pain? Does avoiding discomfort in the moment really make your life better? And according to David, it doesn't. And so that's why I really love this episode. You know, I'm always looking for individuals that are inspiring courage. And to me, having tough conversations is one of the most courageous things you can do because you really are putting yourself out there in a vulnerable way with individuals who could or could not receive what you're going to say with love and light. And when you have that chance of being rejected, when you have that chance of being broken and you don't, they become doorways to confident success and love. You know, having difficult conversations and proving to yourself that having difficult conversations doesn't actually hurt you, it just moves you closer to your own truth, are the defining moments that shape our world. So if you have a tendency to avoid confrontation, walk away when you should, when you know you should speak up, this week's episode is for you. And I took so much from it. And, you know, you're, after you listen to David sort of talk about his own stories and talk about how David waited until his 20s to tell his mom he loved her and why it was a terrifying moment to the three, the four-step blueprint for having difficult conversations without causing a train wreck. I mean, 
This episode had so much gold, and I just can't wait for you guys to enjoy it and take some of the things that David teaches and apply it in your own lives to have those tough conversations that you've been holding back on. I mean, imagine how life could open up for you if you didn't run from the conversations you needed to have. And this episode definitely has the possibility to create that reality for you. So hope you guys are excited. All of the show notes and the links that we discussed to reach David and everything are in the show notes and also mentioned towards the end of the episode. And we went down a rabbit hole. So enjoy. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on iTunes uh, or any of the podcast apps. All that means is that every time we release a new episode or a new guest or something exciting, it comes straight into your inbox. And if you haven't already, join the Stay Grounded community. Head to rajana.com forward slash stay grounded and get involved in the conversations, the post-podcast discussions, the weekly and daily insights from myself and other members of the community so that you can continue staying grounded in the moments you love and experience extraordinary only the way you know how. So anyways, guys, hope you guys are excited. And without further ado, here is this week's guest, Mr. David Wood. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you guys are all having just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant start to your week. This week's guest, Mr. David. How are you, brother? I'm good. And I feel a sense of anticipation. The feeling is definitely mutual. We met at an entrepreneur summer camp um, not too long ago, and we had a brief moment to sit down. I think it was by a beautiful lake, if I recall, with lush green grass and beautiful weather. And there's no better place than nature to uh, nurture the soul. I'm pumped, man. No, I, I was going through your website, and I actually think that some of the work you do, some of the backgrounds you've come from really sort of kind of inspired me in a way. It had a lot of courage kind of baked in and interwoven into the work that you do. And I know that you do a lot of work around inspiring people to have tougher conversations, but I guess I'd love to start with the idea of courage in general. Why do you think some people have more courage than others? I don't know that I can speak for other people, but I think one of the things that might be driving me in my life is when I was a kid, I wasn't particularly self-expressed. I mean, I was a normal kid. I was hyperactive. But when it came to bullies, I'd always back down. I didn't speak up. And that felt terrible, like really weighed on me. In fact, it, I, I still feel it in my system. And when it came to expressing myself with women, with girls, I didn't know how to talk to them or ask them out. And that felt terrible too. So later in life, as I discovered personal development and started exploring how to find my own voice and how to have those tough conversations. Cause I guess both of those scenarios were tough conversations. Right. I found what self-expression feels like, and I don't like feeling small at all. So I think that might be part of what drives me. I don't want to feel bad about the fact that I didn't go for something. So I'm willing to lean into my discomfort and to feel terrified to do something because I feel like on the other side, I'm going to feel better about myself. Has that been a consistent truth in your life? Every time you lean into fear that it's always a greener grass on the other side? I can't say that it's always been, but I also can't think of any times that it hasn't been. Mm. So my life now, I mean, I, I feel very self-expressed and I feel proud of myself. There are so many scary areas 
that I've dived into. My psychiatrist called me counterphobic. I hadn't heard that term before. I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of abandonment. And yet I'll date a woman in open relationship where we're having multiple partners to, to face that fear. And I, I, I don't want anyone to live in fear. That doesn't feel very good. Way better in my book to face it, feel the terror, and then find out that it didn't kill you most of the time. And now we're expanded. Our horizons are expanded. And I feel like we're a bigger, greater person. When you say your horizons are expanded, can you describe what that feels like? Because I think most people, the reason they don't lean into fear or do things that are scary or go after things that might be risky is because they don't really know what the upside is, right? That, mm. that, that feeling of like just pure bliss. I mean, I could go for hours talking about that, but I'd love to hear your sort of description of what it actually feels like to do things you're absolutely terrified of. And how that, like, what, like, what is that upside? Well, well, I'll take a shot at it. There's a sense of pride for me. I, I'm proud of stepping off that mountain in the Himalayas and going up and then having an amazing experience. Now, you never know when you take a risk if it'll be an amazing experience or maybe it'll feel like a terrible experience. But either way, I feel proud that I got to do it. And now when I look at the sky and I look at the clouds, and I'm giving up paragliding now, but I can look and say, I touched those clouds. I've been up there touching the sky. Mm. And that feels really good. Like were I to be on my deathbed in five minutes, I imagine that that would give me a real sense of accomplishment and peace that I've gone for what I want. And another example I, I, I thought of is I went to the Transformation Leadership Council retreat which is for people who don't know, Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup and John Gray from Mars and Venus got together and created this place where they could get together and recharge with peers. And I get to go. And I was there with all these people that I was in awe of. And it was, yeah, I had a bit of imposter syndrome and like, whoa, man, like there's an Oscar winning producer and there's Oprah's executive producer and, and I'm hanging out with these people. And I realized after the event that there were four or five tough conversations I had. And for me, these were requests. These were bold requests that were really edgy for me, like pitching Jack Canfield to write a book together. I know he probably gets a thousand pitches a year. I yeah. get that. But it felt right. I saw a moment and I went for it. And I, I did a few bold requests like that. And I realized after the event, the results are a pure bonus. Mm. I don't really, I mean, I care, you know, if the Oscar winning producer says yes to me doing a ride along on his next film shoot, that's amazing for me. And he did say yes, but those are the bonuses. What felt great to me is like, I, I spoke up. I didn't get to speak up to that bully. I didn't get to ask a lot of those women out in school but I spoke up and I did what was right for me. And that feels peaceful, grounding, and very satisfying. And then if you get the results, huge bonus. Those are great too. How does it feel to retell the story? About pitching Jack and the producer? A little ramped up, like I feel some energy in my chest. I feel some excitement. I feel a little bit of that 
whoa, you know, I was kind of walking the edge there. I totally felt it too. That's why I wanted to bring awareness to that because I think when we do things that are terrifying to us in any moment, and in your words, tough conversations, and we have those tough conversations, we're really giving ourselves an opportunity to create a story and meaning and apply emotion to something you're doing. And that that is that thing you're proud of, right? That's the stories you're going to tell your grandkids later on in life. Those are the stories right. you're going to you're going to, you're going to pass along. Oh, like that's, that's you, that's your identity. And I think that's why it's so powerful to have these hard conversations and, and to pursue that, those fears, because it allows you to see who you really are. Did you have a period in your life where like, I guess, let me go, let's go back to the first time you really started having these tough conversations. Was the swing in awareness for you as high as it was with like, did every tough conversation teach you something new about yourself or did you have a diminishing point of returns when you just started pursuing things that you were terrified of doing? Huh. Wow. Diminishing point of returns. Well, I'll go back to when it started. It started for me at the age of 26. This was back in 1996. And I, I did a personal growth course, Landmark Education it has a course called the Landmark Forum. And boy, are they big on <laughs> cleaning up the past people you'd never think of calling, people you'd never want to call. I had to go back through my life and just look at anyone I felt incomplete with, anyone I hated, resented, felt guilty about something I'd done to them, had to make this massive list. And then with a lot of support and coaching, because I, I would never have done it on my own, I'd start making phone calls. And as yet, it's not coming to me what I learned about myself but I'm realizing I sometimes learn things about other people and I transformed my relationships with other people and with my memories as I cleaned and healed the past. And I started making a difference in other people's lives. One example is I called a, a bully from school and this is 20 years after school with no mm -hmm. contact with him and to call him and say something like, I've been uh, resenting you for 20 years and I, I'm letting go of it. And I, I wanted to let you know that was really hard. But what I learned out of that was that someone that I thought was a jerk and was convinced was a jerk was an amazing human being mm. later in life. He said, after I shared everything, he said, well, what can I say or do now to help you or us move forward? Who are you? And how does that happen? So it shook my view of the world. I just coached somebody, a friend recently, and she was going to write this employer off and quit. And I said, well, why don't you share your truth and give him a chance to step into this new reality? And it went really well. And she's like, wow, I had no idea that he might be willing to change. So uh, tough conversations are possibility generation machines. And I changed my reality each time I have one of these. I, I went to my mother at the age of 27. And I said, this is really scary for me. I'm like really edgy, feeling edgy right now. I want to tell you something I've never told you before. I love you. That was terrifying for me. I'd never said it in my life. We didn't say that in our family. But then two weeks later, I call her and, and I'm talking about something. And she goes, I wish you wouldn't keep turning over these stones. I said, what stones? She said, well, when you told me that you loved me, I realized I've never told my mother. Mm. And so she told me the story 
of driving five hours to go and see her mother, who was 87 or something, and she decided, I'm going to tell her for the first time in my life that I love her. And the first day, she decides, oh, it's too soon. I'll just, I'll just warm up to it. The second day, she goes, oh, it's not the right time. By the fourth day, she's, she's telling herself, oh, she knows. She knows. And then she actually, on the last day, she, she said goodbye, got in the car, turned on the engine, and said to herself, you may never get to see her again. So she turned off the engine, got out of the car, walked back up the driveway and said, there's something I forgot to tell you. I love you. Mm. So these conversations that we're scared of shift reality. They create a new reality. You know, it's so powerful in what you're saying. I think a lot of these stories, like you made up with your bully, you know, you had this perception of him. You know, how old were you when you had that perception made of him? I would have been like probably 12 to... To 18. So 12 to 18. What's powerful is that, and I've been realizing this more and more in my own journey, there are a lot of patterns that run my life right now that were actually created by a version of me that didn't understand the world fully, that didn't know enough to make a reasoned pattern that then led to having survival-based instincts that saw everybody with that pattern. And so like, I see it right now. Like, I mean, you had that pattern that was made as a child and then you went back as an adult with an open mind and that pattern ended up being thrown out the window because it was disproved and not real. It's yeah. almost like tough conversations give you an opportunity to rewrite patterns that a younger adolescent, misunderstood, naive, innocent version of you made. It's like yeah. you're giving your, your, your inner child a chance to... Maybe just learn more. And you're curiously leaning into that with courage and an open heart. And, and then you said it again, it, it inspires others to take that step and maybe give themselves a chance to love or give themselves a chance to be bold. And it's like these little ripples. I love that you said that because the tough conversations do create a new reality, but they're also the doorways to growth. Yes. And and I, and I did learn things about myself. I realized with that bully, one of the reasons it hurt so much is because I really admired him. Mm. I really liked him and I wanted his approval. So I got to learn that. So these, anything that looks like a tough or awkward conversation is a, um, is a signpost. It's a clue. It's like, oh, there's something here that I haven't quite accepted or embraced. There's something here I'm afraid of. Let's go and look and let's have that, as you said, with courage. And I think there, it's a doorway to a new reality and it's a doorway to growth and repatterning. After all these years, after you've followed the trail of that, that curiosity around the discomfort, have you found your life have less discomfort in, in different areas or is it just like a more evolved, like, because I think that this is something I'm, I've constantly faced in my life. Like I grow to get to where I am and I go through these patterns or these stories or by having those tough conversations. But as I continue growing, it's like these conversations just get like they're different and they come in different forms. So is the journey ever done or is it just becoming comfortable with the fact that this is the journey of leaning into discomfort? Well, it's gotten smoother. So th that has happened. I realized that like now after 20 years of tough conversations, 
there are some conversations that I'll have that just aren't really a big deal to me anymore that someone else might go, whoa, that's a really tough conversation. So my yardstick and my bar for what's tough has, has increased. Mm. So, I, you know, if I feel a bit awkward about something or something, someone said something I felt a bit contracted about, it might not be a big deal for me to reach out and just have a little bit of a flutter and say, hey, I just wanted to share this because I'm holding on to it. And plus, I've upgraded my Rolodex and I tend to hang out with people who've got a high level of communication like yourself. So it's easier and it's a bit more expected than back when I was at school. Plus, I've already I've gone through my past and I've gone through almost every conversation I can think of that, that, that was tough. So things get smoother and I find that there's very little drama in my life. Mm. It doesn't mean I don't have tough conversations still. Uh, I invited a group of people. I'm in a course and I invited the, the course to come to a, a party, my birthday party. And then I realized there's one person in there that I felt uncomfortable with. And I might not have chosen to have this conversation with her generally because we don't relate a lot. But if she's coming to my birthday party, I was worried about her taking all the attention. And I, I didn't want that. I wanted it, the attention on me for mm. my party. So that was, a, that was a tricky one. I'm like, I can't see this conversation really going well. Yeah. I really couldn't see it, but I did, it felt out of integrity for me to be quiet. That's one of the things I've developed in my life. It's out of integrity for me if I don't speak up. And if I allow her to come and I'm feeling on edge, I'm not honoring myself. So I had that, I, I called her and, and we had the conversation. And I was saying originally, well, that was a bit of a train wreck, but the outcome was she chose not to come to the party. She was still invited and included, but she chose not to come. So I had a really great time. Let me ask you this, David, because it's, on my mind, so I imagine there's a few listeners also kind of thinking of this too. I think a big fear for having tough conversations is when you're afraid you're going to say the wrong thing, right? Like when you come into a situation like you just mentioned, where it's a tricky scenario, even for you after all these years, right? You still felt that trickiness for someone who's never really explored and practiced that muscle of being authentic and vulnerable. I mean, that's a genuine fear of saying the wrong thing. How do you if someone came to you with that fear, how would you maybe like massage that fear or make them feel more comfortable saying yeah. what they feel like saying so that they can feel the release that comes from pursuing tough conversations? Yeah, there's a very important step. So there are four steps I teach. There's a four-step blueprint to tough conversations. And the first step is to ask permission. The second step is to share one hope and one fear. And there's also a tough conversations worksheet where you can write this out beforehand so you've got it all clear in your head. So if you get clear first, what's your hope out of this conversation? Why would you bother? That'll start shifting things. For example, I want to share something that's on my mind to kind of clear the air because I wonder it might be in between us and I'd like us to feel closer. Or I'd like us to have a really great working relationship and there's something that's keeping me a bit distant and I'd like to share it to, to clear that so I'm not holding myself at a distance if you have a couple of minutes for that, right? But once you know that hope, then it starts to shift. It's like, oh, okay, I can see a benefit out of this. And ideally, you'll see a benefit for them. Like this is going to help us in some way. Maybe. 
maybe it really is just for you to release something. But if you can include something for them, you're not going to be as scared of having that conversation. Mm. Plus, the fact that you're going to ask permission means they can say no. You're not forcing it on them. They're they're now complicit in this. If they say yes, they're up for a potentially awkward conversation. And then the other thing you want to work out besides a hope is the fear. So you said they're worried they'll say the wrong thing. I would say let's go past that. What could happen if you say the wrong thing? What is it that you're worried about that could happen? Maybe you lose somebody? Yep. Yep. They could get angry. They could get upset. They could be defensive. They might not listen to you and just start talking so you can't even get it out. They may break up with you. They may fire you. You may go to prison if this is a conversation with the law or about something, a crime that you committed. This is why they're called tough conversations because there's some stuff that could happen that could have you feel uncomfortable. And being in jail is one of those things I imagine would be very uncomfortable. Yeah. So that's valid. But naming the fear can make it less scary. It's like, ah, I'm worried you might, uh, you might judge me and think I'm too sensitive. Oh. I did. This is what my friend said just a couple of days ago. I said, what if you told your boss this? What's your fear? He'll say, you're, you're just being sensitive. So we got to look at that. And I said, now you're willing to risk that. But once you start naming it and shine the light on it, it's less scary. So the second step, the first step is ask for permission. The second step is to share a hope. This is my hope out of having this conversation. And this is a fear that I have. You're kind of preempting it. And so now you're being relational and you're being vulnerable and you're letting them know all of you. If you came to me and said, this is my hope and this is my fear out of having this conversation, I'd be like, I'd feel interested and engaged. Yeah, I might, be, I like, might be a bit nervous about what are you going to say and am I going to feel wrong and whatever, but I, I'd be like, bring it. It's almost like you're prefacing, like you're anticipating the worst case scenarios and you're articulating it from a place that allows someone to pleasantly surprise you. Like even phrasing like that, like the hope with the fear, I, I can even just imagine it, just that conversation and like there's a few people that I would want to have a conversation like that with, and it would a hundred percent sort of dissipate the tension that I personally feel with showing up. So that's brilliant. Can you share a tough conversation that may have come like, like you didn't know what you were going to get out of it. You just felt like it was the right thing to do. And then you ended up getting something completely different and amazing, but it connected like dots later. Yeah, I will. And, and this one's a tricky one because I don't share the details of it because they, they feel private to me and also it involves someone else. And so, so I value their privacy, but I'll share the bare bones because it's one of my most important tough conversations. When I was younger, I, I did something that, that was wrong. I didn't feel wrong at the time, but when I got older, I was like, that wasn't cool. Plus it was illegal. And uh, for 20 years, I carried this fear. Uh, you see, I didn't get, I didn't get caught. So I was, I was the only one who knew about it, but I carried this fear for 20 years that it, it might one day bite me. It might one day someone will speak up or someone did know and someone will mention it. And also the fear that I would go to prison because mm-hmm. I found out that even as a minor, sometimes you can be charged. So this, this was a massive weight and it was my biggest fear in the world that one day I'd be caught for something. I got lots of coaching from lots of people 
ranging from just let it go, it's not really a big deal, you're a kid, to, you know, you should track down the person and see if if they feel victimized and just try and kind of explore it. And so what I did in the end, and it took me 20 years to come to this, is I realized that what was needed for me was to apologize. I realized I care about people. And if I possibly wronged or harmed someone anyway, I want to apologize for it. That felt like my integrity. And so I was, in my mind, I was risking prosecution because this person might have said, it might have gone to the police. And I decided to risk prosecution to apologize. And so I, I tracked them down and I said, look, you, you may not know this, but here's something that I did. I wish I hadn't. I'm really, really sorry. I want to know the impact and I want to apologize. And an unexpected outcome for me was I got to find out that they weren't bothered at all. They didn't feel wrong. They didn't feel victimized. There really wasn't any impact. And I got to find out that their life was great. (laughs) And it was the most amazing feeling. I didn't even know that I was worried about that until I apologized. And then I found out, oh, I didn't hurt somebody. What was the thing? Can I ask? You can ask. I'm not going to tell you. Damn it. I know. Come on, David. I, well, you left hey, that story. It, it, went, it went in like, I was like, oh, come on. I can't wait. I can't wait. And then. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you off air. What I realized, here's the other thing. And this is because I'm a big advocate for truth. And I used to think you should tell everyone everything. Yet that doesn't always go that well. It's not always appropriate to tell everyone everything. And part of it is in the listening. Now, if you and I are having dinner and we're chatting and I feel a good connection with you and I feel like this story and the details are going to serve you, I'll tell you. I tell my friends, I told my, my wife before we got married, I'll tell that. But telling a couple of thousand people who I've never met, we don't have the relatedness and I'm not sure it's going to have an impact, not worth it to me. So I think this is an important point for everybody because I'm advocating tough conversations and I'm advocating confessions. And you want to do it with someone that you're related to and you're interested in staying related to generally. You're not just going to go to some coworker who's in a different department at work and say, hey, I, I really think you're a jerk. That may not be appropriate. You may not want to put in the investment. So I think it's important to use discernment as to what you decide to share with whom. How do you know which conversations to have when? I, d- I just wrote an article recently and, and there were three tests. Can I let go of it? Should I let go of it or should I have it? And one of the tests was, do you want more relatedness with this person? Is this someone that it would make a difference to your life to, you know, or maybe you don't want more relatedness, but you need to work with this person. So therefore you do want more relatedness because you'd like it to be smoother. Now, this woman who was coming to my party I wouldn't have said anything because it's like, I don't want to put in the investment of of time and energy because we really just, I'm just not going to hang out with her. I'm cool with that. But if it's a friend, then I do, I do make the effort. The second test is, does it keep coming up for you? If it comes up once, there's something that bugged you, for example, yeah, you might let it go. Comes up twice, you might let it go. Comes up three times. I, I heard of a guy, that was his rule like with his partner, right? Something comes up that that bugged him or he did something he felt a little bit off about, came up three times, he go share it. Man, it's, uh, 
that almost requires a habit of reflection. You have to consistently think and notice and sort of pay attention to different stories in your life that might cause certain things to come up. And that almost comes in hand in hand with living a growth-fueled life. Is it possible for individuals to practically have tough conversations if they're not pursuing a growth-fueled life? Yeah. In fact, firstly, you are. You can't can't avoid some of them. They happen like maybe you get fired or maybe you felt overcharged by the mechanic or whatever. Like like you're already having some of them. Mm, Good point. Yeah. Some of them you may not be having very skillfully and, and so they might be a train wreck. So you can follow the four-step blueprint to increase the chances of it going well. But then there are all these other conversations that you might be avoiding. Like maybe you don't go back to the mechanic because you don't want to make a scene. And you're like, oh, that'd be too much. Or maybe you did something in your relationship that broke an agreement. And it's just, you feel guilty about it. Yeah, maybe you're not pursuing a growth-fueled life, but you'd like to have some peace. So I think it's more likely that you and I, who I believe are committed to growth, are going to lean into it because we've realized, I'll speak for myself, I've realized that that's where the gold is. Mm. I keep learning things and I keep getting more expressed and there's more connection and more love and I have more power and influence in the world. So I'm sold on that. But even if you're not sold about the growth, you're probably sold in at least having a relationship with your boss go well. Yeah. At least having that customer like you and not resent you so that they buy more. I mean, tough conversations are, are, are really going to recreate your, your reality in a good way. I love that you said that it's not just for people pursuing growth, it's for people who want peace. I mean, I would even say that anybody who's pursuing growth or not, like everybody is pursuing peace. No. Really? No, I'm going to challenge that because... I would, love to, I would love to get this challenge, please. Yeah. Yeah. Until I met Byron Katie, peace was not a goal of mine. I was more interested in success, probably love. I was going for all these goals. Peace in itself just seemed like a boring thing to me. Did not want it. And then I found Byron Katie and I found... A bit, I got a bit more in touch with my stress and my upsets and things like that. And as I got older, I started realizing that peace is a really beautiful place to be. Do you think everybody ends up at peace? <laughs> well, eventually. I think uh, that's, that's how I... Peaceful, if death is peaceful, we'll all get there. It's, it's an interesting conversation because for I feel like we're all in some way, shape or form, even if we're not necessarily actively pursuing it, we all crave freedom. And to me, I believe that feeling free is a form of feeling peace. Like when you feel freedom, whether it's freedom from yourself, freedom from money needs, freedom from anything, like you're freeing yourself from something. And I think in that space, there's, there's peace. Now, a lot of myself included, I'm sure you have as well, that you just mentioned, actually, like we've been in seasons of life where that wasn't necessarily what we called it. But we did label it freedom in some way, right? Like, again, so like for me, like, I think that's the, uh, that's the counter argument to what you're saying. I think that we're all pursuing some level of completion. We just don't know what that looks like or if the vehicle in front of us is the fastest one to get us there. That, that's the game that I think you and I are very interested in playing, which is the growth field game. Like, how do we get to that place faster? 
how do we experience that thing more? How do we live in this moment and maximize it as long as possible? Like that's what I'm personally interested in. That's what this show, this entire show is based on and creating as much life in our moments as we can. Yes. Um, And uh, getting more out of life is, is, is what I want for myself and everyone. How do we, how do we enjoy it as much as is humanly possible? Why are we so scared to enjoy life as much as humanly possible? Are we scared to enjoy it? I don't know. Are we? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm scared of a lot of things. I'm scared of judgment. I'm scared of um, feeling shamed. I'm scared of ostracism. People like, like just last night, I invited someone to come out and have a cup of tea with me on a walk. And then uh, 20 people were invited to my house for a, for circling. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah. Can you describe it for anybody listening? Yeah, circling's a bit of a wild, uh, unique thing where you, you get in a circle, someone will lead it, and we're often putting our attention on one person and trying to get their world. We're not trying to coach or fix. We're just like, what's it like to be in your skin? What's this like for you right now? What are you feeling? What's it like with all this attention on you? It's an incredible experience to be circled because people seem honestly interested in diving into what it's like to be you, which I've never experienced at this level before I was circled. And then to be in the circle, putting your attention on someone, someone mentioned yesterday, she loves following the dynamic of the group energetics. Now, I don't, you know, some people might hear that and go, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) I had a sense of it, like when I'm in the group, there's something that happening that happens as a group where I might feel like something's off and I kind of look around to someone I trust and I can see they're feeling it and the group's kind of feeling it and then someone will speak it and then we all go, yeah, that's right. And so there's something interesting if you start to, to track it and feel into it that happens as a group feeling into one person. So that's, that's circling. Anyway, I had um, all these people coming over and I was exhausted and I was worried about like, how am I going to show up? Like, what if I I just feel miserable during this cup of tea? Can I say, I want to go and lay down. I'm sorry you drove all the way out here. And then what about this group? If I can't sit up and and do the circling because I'm just miserable, I want to lay down. And I I ended up sharing that with the host and I ended up sharing that with the group because that's the point is to share what's alive for you. And I ended up having all these people over to my house and I laid down and watched TV and cuddled with my puppy for, for three hours until they left the house. But I was worried about judgment. I was worried about them saying, oh, this guy's a loser or they're offended because I wasn't going to show up or he's weak because he, he doesn't have energy. Like, why is this guy always laying down? So I'm wondering, I know your question was, was, was about why do we why are we afraid to enjoy life? I don't relate to that yet. I relate to, I have, we have plenty of other fears, which is one of the reasons we don't want to have these tough conversations. Because what if we feel shamed or what if they judge us or what if they leave us? What if we lose something? It takes real vulnerability. I think, and I appreciate that distinction. I want to clarify my question. I think that there's a lot of people that don't, want to experience the extremes of life. So Mm. there might be like, and I don't think you can experience the extreme good without knowing what 
the opposite feels like. Like it's it's a muscle. Like your capacity to feel is a muscle. Wow. So I'm just curious, just based on this conversation, and I'm curious to hear your take. Do you feel like people are afraid to feel the positive because that means that that opens them up to feeling the opposite? I know people, they definitely seem, and I can relate to this, afraid to feel the negative. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll flip it. If we're afraid to feel the negative, does that also stop us from feeling the positive? You might be talking to the wrong guy because, okay. because I tend to go for extremes. Mm. I've had extreme ups, extreme experiences. I've, I've had amazing things happen in my, my life. I, I was once on stage and I offered a training program and people paid $337,000 in 15 minutes mm. of my training. Like I've been on national TV and, and literally almost peed my pants in a kilt playing a Proclaimers cover song. I tend to go for extreme experiences and I have ex experienced extreme lows. So that's, that's my life. Why? Why pursue the extremes? You know, if I was Byron Katie now, I'd say, give me a frame of reference for this question. Why would I not want to go for, for amazing experiences? Like how can people not want to jump off a mountain? I don't understand. How can they not want, we can fly. We can literally fly in this day and age fairly safely with an instructor who's done it for 10,000 hours. Why would everyone not want to at least have that experience? Why would you not want to stand up on stage and have the experience of telling some jokes and having people laugh? I know it's terrifying, but if you can get past that, why would you not? Why would you not want to have extreme love to, to raise a child? Like I see all of these as extreme experiences. I, I, I don't have a frame of reference for why, why you wouldn't want to suck the juice out of life and, and have everything you can. I don't know how long I'm going to live. Mm. I really don't. I've had my paraglider collapse, full collapse at 300 feet, plummeting towards the earth. I walked away from that one, but the next year I actually fractured my spine. I don't know how long I've got. So if that moment comes when I see, see death coming, I want to say I gave it everything. I mm. don't really understand people who, who aren't doing it unless it's just I'm afraid to go there. Um, and if that's the case, then call me. <laughs> let's go into those. <laughs> let's work through it and let's give you, some, give you the experiences that you want, not experiences that I say or that someone else says are great. What is it that you want to experience? I don't want anything to hold you back from that. David, and I'm glad I asked that question, no matter how lacking of a frame it was. But I think, you, I think you'd be surprised. Now that you mentioned it that way, it sounds so trite. Like, why, why would I be scared to go do the extremes? But one thing I love about you, David, most is just the energy with which you're saying what you're saying. Like, it feels like you're saying it from a place of absolute truth for you. And I can feel that. and. And I can hear that. And it, it makes me feel a very calming sense of, he's right. I can do anything I want. And the upside will always outweigh the downside. I love it, man. I'm, I'm so, I love, I love this conversation and I'm a big fan of you. David, talk to us about the work you're doing 
some of the different things you're up to and how anybody listening might be able to support you or reach out and get help or really just get involved in your world. Thank you. Play for Real is, is, is my brand because I believe life is a, an, an amazing game. And let's really, as you've been hearing, let's play it for real. And I work with a range of people. I'm working with high performers like CEOs, executives, managers on how to, how to get more out of their life. It often involves more levels of truth, daring and caring, and definitely tough conversations. So I love doing the one-on-one coaching. I'm also working with prison inmates, which is an amazing experience to walk into a prison knowing that I can walk out. It really has me confront my privileges mm. and, and to help them with the same stuff. It's the same material. They have different conversations. Like a CEO might not have someone come up to them and say, hey, bitch. <laughs> or, or someone bump them in the prison yard, but they've got their own equivalent. And it's the same four steps to yeah. tough conversations. So I'm doing that with one-on-one coaching and then, and also trainings. But the thing that's got me really jazzed right now is I want every team in the world and every company in the world to have access to a tough conversations coach as needed, just in mm. time, ad hoc. So that they know there's a conversation to have with a coworker, but they can't see how they're going to have it. It's just too awkward. They book a session with the coach and uh, the coach role plays it with them. And then off they go and they have that conversation with confidence and mastery. And so I've just launched that service. So if anyone listening has a, is responsible for a team, including a team of one, if you're a high performing executive or entrepreneur, and you're interested in just-in-time team coaching, then please go to playforreal.life. That's playforreal.life. And book a call with me. And I'd love to talk about it. I'm really excited. I could do it all day. Just have people book sessions. I role play with them. Off they go. And then they let me know how it went. I love that stuff. And I think, I think without it, teams are disengaged. And if we don't speak up, it festers and we stew about it and ends up being gossip and complaint and, and, and ultimately quitting. I'm an evangelist for speaking up artfully and having those tough conversations. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped about this, this new concept. I haven't heard of anyone doing it. I love it. Well, uh, we'll make all of these links available in the show notes for anybody listening and frantically trying to write down these yeah. domains. And, and they can download the four-step conversation blueprint at the website. Beautiful. Yep. I think, I think that'll be massively helpful for everybody listening, including myself. David, I have one last question for you. In the midst of everything you've been through, everything you've done and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? Well, it's an ongoing journey. It's not like I'm just grounded all the time. I lay down once a day and do like a hypnosis slash meditation. I call it a naptation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like that. I'm living, in, I'm living in the mountains. I'll show you mountain cam here. This is where I am. I love walking out on the balcony, even at night, in the middle of the night when I wake up walking out and seeing the stars. I notice my breathing as much as possible, and I catch myself, and I'll take a, a deep breath. And I take breaks to go and play with my uh, six-month-old puppy. Mm. Sounds like a beautiful life, man. Helping people, playing with puppies, taking naptations. You're living the dream, brother. You are living I absolutely the dream. am. 
Yeah. Oh, can I say too, I, I forgot to say my podcast is just oh, coming. Yeah, yeah, please. Oh, so, so if you listen to this podcast and you'd like to join the Tough Conversations with David Wood podcast, again, on the website, playforreal.life, you can join. Beautiful. Yeah. We'll make all these links available, guys. But David, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us and to share your expertise, your love, your passion, your purpose. And I just really enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot. So thank you so much. I, I really loved it. And I, I'm a fan of you as well. Thanks, Raj. Big piece. Uh, but everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, David. And from us, Stay Grounded. We'll catch you soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.